0: This podcast is brought to you from Grantwood AEA, an educational service agency that supports school districts in eastern Iowa with a focus on equity, excellence, and efficiency in education for all children. Welcome to episode fifty of the Tech 50. Takeout. The podcast that serves up bite-sized <laughs> technology tips for teachers. My name is Jonathan Wiley, and this is the incredible Mindy Carney.
1: Hello, we're here again. Itech.
0: It is episode 50. It seems like...
1: Episode 50.
0: seems fitting that we're iTech for 50. Yeah. Yeah. So we have two um, special special guests. guests. Uh, Are we
1: going to finish each other's sentences for this whole thing?
0: uh, Let's try not to. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't you tell us who the special guests are, Mindy?
1: So we have um, Christina Ishmael and Manuel Herrera. And they are both featured speakers this week at um, iTech. And so we pulled them in to share a little bit about their sessions and just, you know, what they do in education.
0: So here they are.
2: Let's
1: just do this.
2: Good morning. I'm Christina Ishmael, and I am a public interest technology and education policy fellow at a nonprofit in Washington, D.C., called New America. Um, I specifically focus on curriculum instructional materials, um, and specifically open educational resources in pre K twelve.
0: That is that's an amazingly long title, isn't it?
1: Yeah, Uh, yeah. You put us to shame, like uh, digital learning consultant.
0: so, Christina, we, uh, we've uh, we've we've met you before, you've done some work with us at Grant Wood before. Yeah. Uh, but I've I've always been curious as to where this um, OER journey started because <laughs> you got quite the passion and and fuel here for OER. But how did that all begin?
2: Uh, it started when I was a classroom teacher in Omaha, Nebraska. I taught in Omaha Public Schools in South Omaha, where the majority of my students were English language learners. And in fact, my first year teaching, I had twenty. Out of 25, um, that came to me speaking no English, and I was hired late in the summer, so I had very little resources whenever I walked into my classroom, and I got to set up the classroom a little late, Uh, and then I got the prepackaged curriculum that the district dropped off for me, Mm -hmm. and I knew right away that that wasn't going to be enough and like many teachers spent many hours on weeknights and weekends trying to find supplemental resources mm-hmm. and i knew that i was probably doing something wrong with them with copyright and all of that but i was like ah, it's yeah, fine i'm a it's teacher fine. It's i'm fine. a teacher <laughs> it's for education <laughs> it's for the kids <laughs> exactly. oh, <I> like it. <laughs> and this is long before pinterest and teachers pay teachers and all of the other places uh, the marketplaces where you can potentially find resources um, and eventually after a couple of and other classes along the way um, discovered kind of the difference between um, copyrighted materials, free materials, and then openly licensed materials. And I wish that more teachers knew about it. Yeah. So when I moved to the state, I moved um, I was a digital learning specialist for the Nebraska Department of Education. So I was the sole ed tech person for 310,000 students. Wow. Um, wait, That's wait, that wait. <laughs>
0: 310, <laughs> no. not a big yeah. deal all. students. <laughs>
2: uh-huh. <laughs> all 245 public schools, the 17th service. Agencies, and half of my work was internal, trying to teach my own staff at the state agency all about ed tech. Mm-hmm. Um, I brought G Suite to the government, which was kind of fun. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> oh, do you have like a special badge for that, or like I a wish I'd be awesome. Awesome <laughs> And then the other half was doing professional learning across the state, and that's when I really got started with um, the Nebraska Books Project, which was the idea that we teach state history, obviously, in every state. Um, In fourth and eighth grade, we were using the same textbook, those poor eighth graders, Mm -hmm. and uh, we decided that it would be really cool to leverage something like iBooks Author for kids and teachers to be able to create their own content, um, particularly around Nebraska history and more local history, where they could work with their local historical societies and tell the stories. Mm -hmm. um, Uh, About Nebraska. And so that's where the Nebraska Books Project came in. And that kind of led to natural transition to conversations around copyright and Creative Commons licensing, how to cite sources, how to attribute to authors or creators. And... I have a really good friend of mine who lives in St. Louis, um, Dr. Robert Dillon, who called me in January 2016 and said, all right, what's next for you? Mm-hmm. I said, what do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> and he said, I recommended you for a fellowship with the U.S. Department of Education. Oh, wow. mm-hmm. And within four weeks, I was... Does he I have was... that kind of pull? No, he, oh, he, like, he like, knew... Well, Bob's like, <laughs>
1: hey, you know, I recommended you for this <laughs> position and now you've
2: got it. Right, so. right. <laughs> Uh, he knew the deputy director at the time, Katrina okay. Stevens, and yeah. I think that's kind of where that all came into play. Yeah, cool. um, but then within, that was in February, and by April I'd moved out to Washington, D.C., and I knew that I would bridge administration. So I was there from April 2016 through April 2017 mm-hmm. um, in the office of Ed Tech and leading the project called Go Open. So I took over from Andrew Marcinic, who helped kick it off at the White House in October 2015, so it's been three years now, mm-hmm and when i acquired the project there were 40 districts that had signed on to go open meaning that they had committed to replacing one textbook in one grade level and one content area or they had already kind of done that and they were they were an ambassador district and were helping mentor the new districts get started and there were 14 states that had signed on as well to support this work. And then when I left in April 2017, that had grown to 110 districts yeah. and 20 states. And it just keeps growing from there. And the requirements are the same for that still, right? Yeah. Like one textbook, one grade yeah. level, right?
1: Yeah, to be, yeah, mm-hmm. to be
2: officially recognized for Go Open, right. yeah. So my work now um, at New America, which in D.C. speak is a think tank, um, oh, yeah. I was, mm-hmm. yes, that's, it's very... That's, that's <laughs> <yeah>. right. Right. <laughs> um, but I was brought in because our CEO is really Challenge us to think more than a think tank and become an action tank, and so they thought the um, the work that I do, kind of on the ground and providing direct support and professional learning to schools and state agencies, um, could be a way that we can get into that, and so that has. That's what I've been doing for the past 18 months. Yeah. And as of a week ago, I just found out that my fellowship... Oh, late breaking. this is late-breaking. This okay. uh, is late-breaking. I actually haven't even made this public, but now it's going to be. <laughs> it's exclusive. Um, you
0: heard it here first. Yeah,
2: exactly. Uh, I received funding for another year of my fellowship, oh, so I get to continue working on this work, which yeah. makes me incredibly excited and happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So cool. I get to support districts moving forward. And we're kind of zooming out and trying to figure out how to support um, besides kind of like the one textbook replacement, maybe it's supplemental or something else. Um, So how do we support districts in that process? Mm
1: Well, um, Christina, your true colors are shining through here <laughs> at your sessions at iTech, and um, it looks like you have a d- pretty big theme going yes, on with your sessions. a little bit. So um, <laughs> the one this morning, is it this morning, the going op- going open one yep. this morning? Do you want to talk a little, or just tell us generally, what are some things that people can expect in your sessions, or sure. since a lot of our listeners probably aren't coming to iTech?
2: Yeah, for yeah, the yeah. Most part, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know you're looking at me <laughs> Could be. <laughs> like I mean, yeah,
0: yeah, your first session is uh, the questions leaders always want to ask. Yeah. So I want to know what those questions are. Yeah, Oh, well, yeah. Well, so do
2: I. Yeah. So <laughs> I have it. This one is uh, feels more of a conversation rather than me doing any sort of presentation. And hopefully I can provide some answers for district leaders that are interested in this work. I think um, there are a lot of myths out there, which I know is another session that I'm doing tomorrow. But right. one of the myths is that this is free and this is going to save my district a significant amount of money. And I can just worry like I don't have to worry about it being in my budget anymore. And it's really a reinvestment back into my school district because I'm investing in my teachers, I'm investing in the professional learning, and so we want to like dispel that myth. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that that's what some of the questions kind of center around um, with some of these leaders, and also just how to get started. Mm-hmm. That's the that's a big question that folks are like, you know, we have a textbook um, kind of adoption coming up. Maybe we should consider different options. We're so entrenched in tradition when it comes to curriculum. Um, we call up the publishers and we say, send us your new stuff, and it's. All shiny, and um, we don't know that there are other options. OER doesn't have a marketing budget, Just mm-hmm. right? My big mouth, yeah, <laughs> yeah. and my passion, as yes, you say, of yeah, of course, yeah. Uh, so that makes it difficult to to get out there to the fifteen thousand public school districts across the country. Yeah, well, in the wild, wild west of OER <laughs> of
1: resources, um, yes, yeah. Where would you go? I mean, where would you send teachers? Is there because? I think we're starting to kind of understand, at least we are as a team, kind of wrapping our brain around OER, but we work primarily with teachers. Where do we send them to get started or how do they get started? It's still very murky to me personally, very gray. So I'm just wondering... Um, if I were talking to a teacher, what should I recommend or what should I, what should the conversation
2: be? Right. So, I no longer work for the federal government, which is great. Now um, you can say whatever you want. I can say. (laughs) I can point people to certain places, which is fantastic. Right. Um, So, I spent the first three months of my fellowship last summer just curating a list of places to go. Yeah. um, From individual resources to full courses and full textbooks um, that happen to be openly licensed. And so, we launched a new website. Um, It's a new project site that's attached to new America. And that is where I send people uh, most often. Um, It is not the be all and end all. And Mm -hmm. I am well aware of that because I continue to get resources sent my way almost weekly. So um, realizing that that is just a starting place for, Mm -hmm. for folks to go. But I would... I would point people to that resource rather than starting at Google or Teachers Pay Teachers or right. other places. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is certainly a place. And we'll we'll dig into that a little bit more in my afternoon session. We have okay. a two-hour workshop for mm-hmm. yeah. um, Not Another Needle in the Haystack. Yeah. Um, and really, th- I'm gonna walk people through like how to find some of the resources, but for teachers who get started, uh, I really recommend thinking about a unit that they work on that they need maybe some supplemental resources mm-hmm. that the curriculum i do have maybe isn't sufficient and so they can start with one piece and then grow from there mm-hmm.
0: all right i'm, I'm going to put you on the spot here okay I'm, i would i would ask mindy the same this is question funny because but...
2: he hates it when i do this to him so it's <laughs> interesting know,
0: to true. me to
1: watch that happen but okay no let's play this game <laughs>
0: You mentioned uh, teacher pay teachers. Uh huh.
1: Well, yeah. Oh boy. Here we
2: We're going to go there already. We're it's not, going I there already. Had it's my so early
1: yet.
0: in the morning. Man. I'm just curious what you, what okay. you tell people about that when you know. I mean, that's the first stop for a lot of people. It they is. go there. Sure. So um, how do you have that conversation around that and OER and how all that fits teachers together? Teachers
2: or leaders or all of the above. <laughs> you choose.
0: Yeah, you choose. Okay, I put you, you on the spot. Passion. You choose.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Um, so the big, one of the biggest questions that I get from district leaders is how do we guarantee that OER is high quality? Um, and I think there are two things that we need to kind of parse out there. There's standards aligned and then there's high quality. Um, and those tend to be kind of lumped together often, particularly from publishing companies when they talk about OER. Um, and so I want to make sure that people separate those two, first of all. And second of all, I think there are a lot of teachers that are using supplemental resources in their classrooms that they don't necessarily know are in their classrooms. And so that's kind of my pushback to Mm -hmm. leaders is like, how do you know that the the resources that your teachers did purchase from Teachers Pay Teachers um, are quality and they're using them in the classroom? So there's no way to really guarantee that. And so if it's more of a collective kind of approach with a team that's doing it at the district level and they've kind of curated the resources, then that's certainly gonna be more helpful than just sending a teacher on to the wild, wild west of the internet and getting them started, right? Right. So- Because every rose has its thorn. (laughs) There you go. so we... So that's my one thing. And I guess when I got into education, I did it because I believe that the children are the future, yes. you know? Oh, <laughs> yep. And yep. so I also believe that... Um, it shouldn't just stop within a classroom, and that I I shared a lot of the resources with my own team. Yeah. Um, but then it often stayed local and it stayed within my building, and I know that I was doing some really good stuff for yeah. my ELs in particular. Um, I was translating a lot of materials. Didn't realize that that was technically a copyright infringement. Um, and it's fine. it's just those little things. It's too. those little it's things. things that we don't even think about. Yep. Right. Not at all. Yeah. Yep. Um. So for teachers, I call me Pollyanna but I believe that education is all about sharing yeah and so um, I I don't want to profit off of my fellow teachers yeah right
1: so um, Lynn Kleinmeyer who is obviously (laughs) on our team has been all over us in a good way about (laughs) um, this like creative commons licensing that we should put on all of our stuff do you see that as something that teachers should be doing um is it something that's an I mean as they're starting to share because we do want them to share do you want to talk a little bit about that too because I always think that's kind of a interesting conversation. Yeah,
2: like. absolutely. So from looking, I'm going to zoom out national yep. level, yep. Um, because I think it's important to kind of set the context here, too. So the U.S. Department of Education in the Office of ed Tech, we got this push through before the change of administration. All discretionary grants that come from the U.S. Department of Education moving forward, actually starting this month, now require an open license mm-hmm. on anything that's created. Mm-hmm. So that's a variety of different grants that people apply for so they can create interventions or different ed. Tech tools. And previously, so these are taxpayer dollars that are paying for this, Right, um, and previously you could copyright that, and then they would turn around and sell that back to a district. So right. taxpayers were paying double. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's super frustrating when you sure. get in there and you start to see it, and you're like, wait a minute, this that's sounds- $100 a kid. What yeah. are you talking about? Yeah. Plus, taxpayers have already paid for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Department of Ed, as well as the State Department, the Department of Labor, and certain grants that they do all have an open license requirement, which I really love because I I think it is kind of paying it forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we started to see some of that at the state level. So Washington State now has that requirement on things that are created in their Department of Education and other agencies as well. So anything that's created by their employees or contractors or teachers they have come together, it all has to be a Creative Commons license to be able to pay, pay it forward. Mm-hmm. So I think the same thing for teachers. Yep. We create a lot of things, but we don't realize that we copy, like it's automatically copyrighted when we create things. Um, and that's why Creative Commons was started in the mm-hmm. early 2000s. Thousands was that it gave permission to not only to creators but to the people to use the different things that are created without having to go, hey, can I use can I your resources? this or remix it or whatever? Yeah. Right, yeah. And I think the next level of all of this is to really start to push that for um, student creation and what can we do with student created um, projects and kind of that intersection of creativity and copyright. How can we have that conversation with kids?
0: yeah because I think you know the teachers have to set that as a almost like a role model for the kids because sure. there's more and more kids that are i mean we we get emails about it quite a lot it's like i've got kids who want to start a YouTube channel yeah. or i've got kids who want to do this and, yeah, and it's yeah, like they correct. want to be out there and sharing yeah. and doing their stuff so early these days that um, yeah they need to realize some of those copyright issues and and, and, and that their content should be protected too chucking sure.
1: mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Christina, thanks for coming. <laughs> do you have anything else that you wanted to share, Christina? Or- oh, I do, yeah, actually. Okay. Yeah, See, I sorry, do you would. See,
2: I do, I do. I do. Um, so I've been working with ISTE, the International Society for Technology and Education. iTech is a state affiliate of ISTE uh, for the past year. Um, so Richard Colata was the former director of the Office of EdTech. So he's their new CEO um, and president. And then their chief learning officer is my former director from the Office of EdTech, Joseph South. So they kind of help launch go open and they have some sure. understanding of OER hm mm-hmm. but we also wanted to see um, what that would mean for ISI to kind of start to talk about OER, yeah. Um, and so we started to have that conversation about a year ago. And last Tuesday we oh released. Oh my gosh, you
1: keep like I know just new things, one new after, after things. the other. Okay.
2: What um, else? Last Tuesday we released two new papers. Um, one that covers kind of a reflection and recommendations after Joseph and I um, worked on Go Open, so looking at the national movement and then recommendations moving forward. And then we have another paper that is kind of more of a research. Paper that mm-hmm. looks at four different focus areas that we think can really help for sustainability purposes. Nice. Um, so it looks at policy at the state and local level as well as mentoring and support structures. What mentoring between districts, but then what kind of systemic support structures need to be in place for this to continue so that when the one OER champion leaves, that it can continue. Yeah. Um, a research agenda, because there's not a lot of research on this in pre-K-12, unfortunately, mm-hmm. and we have a lot of room to grow on that area. Yeah. So um, there's more in higher education, but we've certainly discussed some questions that we could look at in pre-K-12 implementation. And then finally, what does sustainability look like? What are some different models that can make this happen? Whether it's Liberty Public Schools in Liberty, Missouri, the way that they've reallocated the funding, um, they offer a three-year kind of... um, Process to their teachers. They give them the option, and the teachers, as a team, have to decide on how they'll spend the money that they would have mm-hmm. spent on the textbooks. Yeah. So it includes professional learning. It includes sure. traveling to conferences. Because teachers know how to spend the money the right way. <laughs> yeah. It's actually right? interesting to yeah. see Jeanette right. Jeanette Westfall, their um, curriculum director, has said sometimes they just can't spend the money, and it's so interesting to yeah. see um, how they end up not shell that out the funding, pennies, right? Yeah. Like you just like
1: hold on to it, and you will only spend it on what exactly. you know. You'll <laughs> it's get like, the most. most the hotel of. room yes. no we, we
0: <laughs> we'll
2: will sleep more to a room if yeah. we have to <laughs> So that is the the separate paper is kind of those four areas. And we highlight three different districts, including Liberty Public Schools, Garnet Valley Public Schools, outside of Philadelphia, and Broken Arrow Public Schools, which is actually where I'm headed on Wednesday after oh, we're done here. Yeah. Um, they're having a go-open regional summit on Thursday. Nice. So I'm excited about that. So ISTE released, um, ISTE and New America, these were co-authored. Um, we have them on both websites. And we also released a video playlist. This oh. has previously never existed either. So we have state and district leaders talking about implementation. And what this looks like, and so mm-hmm. there's 11 different videos addressing, you know, like one specific question, you know, what are teachers' perceptions on using these types of resources, and so that all went live last week, and I'm really excited that ISTE yeah. has they've added a page to their nice. website that talks to about go OER. That out. yeah, um, take a look at it, mm-hmm. yeah. So we're excited about that to continue to see that kind of grow.
0: It's a great partnership to have. I think it that's is. exactly yeah. the people you that's want to be. Need, right? tied I hope in so. with, I think, yeah, <laughs> no, they've been great to work with. For sure. So.
1: All right. Well, thanks for coming. Of on. Of course, thank you it for was having good me. Good to see you again. Yeah, yeah. Good luck yeah. with all your sessions. Oh,
0: well, thank yeah. you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all
1: right. Well, we have another guest. Would you like to introduce yourself?
3: Sure. Okay. Uh, my name is Manuel Herrera. I'm the innovation coordinator for the Afton School District, which is just outside of uh, St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, I'm also the communications and design lead for Connected Learning. to a local nonprofit there in St. Louis. Uh, we try to host educational events, professional development, learning events that are unique and as free as we can or for low cost. And uh, also an adjunct for Webster University. Huh. I teach uh, learning space design and uh, digital video for educators. So, yeah. You're a busy person. I mean, we see like I we're, yeah, we're not poor busy. people at all. I'm <laughs> like... I, I too busy. Like, I, I, I've overwhelmed <laughs> myself. So, yeah, that's, that's kind of me in a. In that's nutshell, my, my 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 main role, or I guess my day job <laughs> yeah. is um, I work with kids I work with kids and teachers k12 uh, in our school district um, with instructional practices, technology integration, uh, recently a lot of more hands on building prototyping kind of thing um, but yeah i mean that's thats that's kind of what I do uh, I love it it's fun it's for me it's just fun uh, getting to kind of explore some new ideas and new teaching methods o- introduce old teaching methods that we've kind of forgotten about um, and and yeah, supporting supporting our district.
1: And um, so Wiley and I were talking about this about um, kind of your sessions and really, I would say creativity is the eye of the tiger here. Is that what we would say?
3: Yes, very very much so. I'm super passionate about creativity. Uh, like I'll nerd out on you if you guys give me enough time. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I, I we we toss the word around a lot in education: creativity, creative thinking, creative this, creative that. And um, what I've seen, so this is my 16th year in education. So I've, I've kind of seen us go from very minimal technology, at least in mm-hmm. my teaching experience early yeah, right. to nothing but technology and the push to put it in front of, put it in front of kids and get it in kids' hands. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it's kind of leaned towards all for the purposes of creativity. Like it will cause our students to be creative. It will make our students creative thinkers. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm, I'm starting to kind of, you know, I kind of bit, you know, bought into that for a while, like, okay, we're going to give kids iPads, we're going to give kids Chromebooks, we're going to give them all these devices and look at these beautiful things that they can create and make. And, uh, you know, kind of think of the commercials you see on TV that advertise um, yeah. certain products and apps. Um, but what I saw was, what I ended up seeing was that we would still end up with kind of the same type of product in the end. It was, mm-hmm. you know, kind of not really well thought out. Um, and it wasn't as as always as creative as we thought it was. And, um, when I looked back to see what are we missing and how, what are we not helping kids with? And I, it turns out like it's the process. We're not right. teaching the process. Mm-hmm. We're, sure. um, giving them devices, assuming they can go to YouTube and for some kids that does work and for mm-hmm. some adults that does work and that makes sense for them. Uh, but other kids, you know, they struggle with that. They don't understand how to tap into creativity or they've never really been, you know, supported with that. So, um, that's kind of where, where I'm coming from now when I say kind of teach old teaching methods, you know, um. Having all the ugly and all the work and all the mess and all the thinking first, and if we get to the final product, which is using the technology in some cases, fantastic that's great that's mm-hmm. you know that's a wonderful outcome. but in the end if if they never get to that, but look at all this these um you know thinking practices or or methods that we've taught them how to brainstorm, how to iterate, how to do um all of this ugly first. And hopes in the next project gets a little bit quicker, a little faster, yeah, and kind sure. of kind of build some fluency, creative fluency, I guess you will, um, with that. Uh, we just always seem to focus so much on the technology. Like we have an mm-hmm. iPad, we're gonna, or we have yeah. a Chromebook.
1: It's an automatic, right? Right. right. Like, we're yeah. gonna make mm-hmm. videos,
3: and so also in that um, purpose, identifying purpose for kids. You know, we in the end we will, um, and I guess I'm speaking from my experience. I don't mean to kind of blanket statement that, but. Um, Making videos, for example, like why 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 do we make videos? Yeah. Um, make a poster, well why are you making a poster? The websites, why are we making the websites? Um, is it just for the sake of using tech or is there yeah. really an audience behind that? And is mm-hmm. that the appropriate tool? So um, I told you I'll go. I'll go. On. Nah. <laughs> I'll go. I'll go no, on no, you're on good, on. Yeah. It's, it's like so, just something I'm super, super passionate about. I guess also it's because I have two kids in school now. I yeah, have a nine year old. Nine year old and a six year old. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I've always, and I've always tried to you know remember that even when I didn't have kids. You know, yeah. keep the kids. In, mm-hmm. And so I'll tell a story in a little while about that. But um, yeah, I mean that's that's kind of my jam, and I love it. Mm-hmm.
0: So, so we're looking at one of your sessions. It kind of stood out to Mindy and I because oh, so. Boy. Yeah, we. It's we hard to say, I'm
1: sorry, but.
0: I know. We experimented a little bit with uh, Bloxos. Um sure. yeah. And I don't know if we exactly knew what we were doing the right. first time okay. we tried this yes. out. I'm going
1: to go with that. It with, we didn't really know what we were doing, but yeah. we didn't really love it. Sure. No. You need sure. to convince us. Sure, absolutely. What do you Excel
3: love about it? it? So, I, I don't think it's necessarily the app that I love. Yeah. It's, again, Again, I was talking about the process. It's yeah. the process behind it that I really loved. Yeah. I loved it, and and I kind of talk about this in this in in talking about Bloxels, is when I was a kid, um, we used to draw our video games out. Nintendo Power. I'm probably spoiling. No, nobody listening to my session. Um, <laughs> but I used to play I used to play video games with my with my with my friends, and, yeah. and Nintendo had just come out and. Mm-hmm. Nintendo Power, the magazine, came out. I don't know if you guys oh, remember yeah. that. Mm-hmm. But uh, they had a contest drawing video games. Like, if you – could not draw, excuse me, submit your idea for a video oh, game. Oh, really? And so okay. we would draw video games at lunch, oh, me cute. and four, yeah. three buddies. And, you know, we loved it. And and what I noticed was that we each loved something about video game design. Like, uh-huh. I could care less about gameplay, but I was for sure, like, it's got to look good. Like, yeah. it's got to, like right. – the yeah. art has to look great. You yeah. know? And so some kids were involved in strategy. And so – um, we, we never were able to create a video game because we didn't have the skills to do that or mm-hmm. the technology or, I guess, support or whatever. What do you want to call it? Um, and so, I don't know, it's been about five or six years. Um, I went to a conference and met Robin Rath. He's the CEO for Blocks. Was one of the co-founders. Okay. okay. And he was showing me this.
1: Oh, geez, don't, t- don't tell him to listen I, to this podcast after we just got that same... No, no, no it's, no, it's totally I know. Oh, yeah,
3: everybody, everybody has, like, you know, we all have, like... How totally okay, good so I'm here to convince oh, you, right? No. Uh-huh. So... I I went and talked to him. He showed me what he was he was um, kind of his company had created uh, Pixel Press, and they were these these this graph paper that had like little scribbles on it. Uh-huh. And um, he was showing it to me, and I was like, "Oh my god, it's a video game!" Mm-hmm. And he's like, "How did you know that?" And I said, "Well," and I kind of told him the story about yeah. me, that's kind of how we used to draw side-scrolling video games. He's like, oh, well, you're gonna love this. And so he picked up his iPad and he scanned it. And mm-hmm. when he scanned it, it turned everything he had dr- drawn into a video game like that. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh my god, I I missed the boat. Like, yeah, <laughs> right. we should have designed this somehow. <laughs> so they've All they've right. kind of evolved from that to um, you now. It's there's a physical game board. The right. app is a little different. And so uh, I love it because of that. As you know, as mm-hmm. a child, I loved video games. Played video games. You're making a kind of it looks like an 18-bit or an 18 eight-bit uh, video game. Um, in their case, it's 13. Um, but that was just me. That was my childhood. So yeah, right. um, I, I really latched onto that. And But in the back of my mind, it's like, okay, well, where does this fit in with school? Where does right. this fit in mm-hmm. with education? We will get tools and we will shove them in the classrooms and EDU them up to make them fit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so much that it loses the joy of mm-hmm. what the original tool was intended for. And so, you know, we, we bought a few sets and um, I used them and I try to figure out, like, does this make sense for kids at, on an educational level and, and not just an entertainment level? And what I found was going back to like, what are we missing with kids? What are we doing with kids? You know, we would give them this app and they would create and it would kind of just, you know, it was awesome. It was great. But then I thought storytelling, like we don't, Mm -hmm. we're not helping kids with storytelling. And this goes back to my, my son. Here's the story. Um, When he was in first grade, he came home and he was super excited that he had created a keynote and and you know an Apple keynote and I was mm-hmm. like oh awesome In the back of my mind is like why yeah <laughs> so I, <was> like, <laughs> yeah, so I kind of oh, terrible saying you know yeah. let me guess you made a slide that says my name is so and so my favorite places are, and I didn't do it with like with an attitude yeah, I was right. just like let me guess like is that what you did because yeah. we do that with our kids he's like yeah that's what I did I was like awesome and and in my mind it's like why didn't we teach him how to tell a story from start to finish yeah, right. you know why don't we teach him how to tell a story of his day a story of his life a story mm-hmm. of an event mm-hmm. um. Because you know how many par- PowerPoints or keynotes he's going to make by the time he's in high school. Like, yeah. is it really important yeah. that we teach him that young um, to, you know, click drop-down menus? It's, for me, yeah. it's like the storytelling piece. And so um, that's where Bloxels was. It was like kind of the PowerPoint. It's mm-hmm. That's great. It's awesome. But now I can help use it to help kids tell stories to kids, yeah. um, retell stories, mm-hmm. historical events. Um, we stretch it a little bit sometimes with some of the content because, it you know, it doesn't necessarily fit nice and snug. Um, when we introduce it, but but history, ELA, it, it fits great because mm-hmm. kids can use that as a presentation option. Sure. Um, we've done that before um, to retell something they've already learned. I never use it, at least in our case, we never use it to teach content.
2: Yeah.
3: Um, we use it as a, just kind of a presentation tool. Mm-hmm. So, and then once they do that, you know, we help them with the process, storyboarding, drafting up, um, whatchamacallit, uh, dialogue within the characters, the oh, characters, sure. do they make sense? Do they connect? Um, which is really cool because we've, you know, had some interesting conversations with kids with that um, just on the back end. And we'll spend you know, usually when I ask teachers, you know, teachers ask if they can use it or if they can we can come in and teach it, you know, asking, I'm gonna need at least five days, five class periods ish yeah. around that because um, we'll spend the first three or four days with just paper and pencil. Mm-hmm. And that's all we'll do. And so the last sure. day or two we'll build the video game. But if the kids never build their video
1: game to that point yeah here's 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 everything you wanted them to learn here's
3: all the process so if you do it again later they've kind of built up they understand how it works so um.
0: so it sounds like that's a bit related to something else you're talking about here you've got drawing as a thinking process uh yes being a visual (laughs) thinker and sketching things out and you've got it you said it's
3: more than sketch noting
0: it is why is is it
3: more than sketch noting because you know i've I've drawn my entire life of just been a kid who's doodled and drawn, um, anything and everything in class, gotten in trouble the whole bit. Um, and I'm starting to see more of it, you know, as a, as a teaching tool. So when I work with kids, um, I work with, uh, you know, a variety of grade levels, but recently past two, three years, I worked a lot with some seniors, um, in our project, not projectly the way our caps program. It's our center for advanced professional studies and they work in the hospitals and they have to design, um, a biomedical innovation. And so they have all these ideas and, you know, I work with them through that kind of going through a design process. And what I found myself doing was as they were talking and as I was talking, I was drawing things out like what I, and that was just like habit. That's just what I was doing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I was showing to, and the the purposes of that was for me to listen to them, for me to understand them and then for me to turn it around and say, is this what you were saying? So that we can, because a lot of times it was a physical product. Sometimes it was a process. So I would map it out just so I was following their thinking and then, and then I would notice the kids would do it back to me eventually. Oh, like it was yeah, kind of like cool. a modeling. They kind of just did it. I never said, hey, we're going to do drawing today. And mm. it, was, yeah. it was just a natural. And the more I worked with the kid, those high school kids, the more I realized, like, wow, like, some of these guys needed this. Like, they needed mm-hmm. this like, way of communicating with each other, way of expressing themselves, way of working through problems. And so um, this was kind of right as, I guess, sketch noting was kind of becoming popular sure. and kind of becoming the new term. And I love it. I do it. I, it's a beautiful thing, and um, I think it's awesome. But I think I'm, i I think sometimes when I mention drawing, um, any kind of drawing in schools or any kind of doodling, it gets lumped in with sketchnoting Sometimes mm-hmm. I know mm-hmm. I've, I've done sessions before where I didn't mention um, sketch noting. I just said something about drawing, and people would come in like, "Oh, I can't wait to learn how to sketch note." Right. I'm, like, no, I'm not going to teach you how to sketch note. I'm going to teach you how to think and draw and kind of sure. express yourself for those purposes of communicating and sharing. And so that's why we've added, we've kind of since added that title, uh, our adding sketchnoting, just because I think it's more than that. And I think sketchnoting is, is fantastic and great, um, but I think it's um, sometimes we can get caught up in the art um, of it. And so I want to just at least kind of, there's value in that, but there's also value in just uh, original ideas and drawing original mm-hmm. thinking and drawing problem solving rather than like if somebody was sketchnoting this podcast. yeah, th- that's They're listening to us right. and they're listening sure. for yeah. the purposes of, of or retaining that information or recalling that information.
0: I like that because I mean I can get on board with that. I feel like because you're you s- like
1: I can't draw. That, exactly. that is why. Well, yeah, that's what and, but, he says, and you s- can't draw.
0: You see those sketch notes on Twitter and for yeah. social media, and you think, oh, that would take me forever to do that. Sure. And it's like yeah. people do that during. And
1: it has like, to be useful to you, so yeah, right. something exactly. like that wouldn't be yeah. useful to you anyway. Exactly. because yeah. you right. so would have I, lost everything. That's you know? what
3: I don't want to miss. Like right. I don't want it to miss. Like you could value drawing, but if you think of drawing as just sketch noting, mm-hmm. you know, you might you know might not do it. And I still have people come in my session that are like, yeah, you're going to show me how to sketch. I, I'm not good at drawing. Mm-hmm. like. But it's it's not. it's not where well, I'm not going to teach you how to draw. I mean, I can if you want to, right. but yeah. we're, we're not going to do that today. Right. Um, so, yeah, it is. Sketch it, is valuable to to certain students or, or to students and teachers, but I think there's also this idea of kind of visually thinking, um, you know, visual thinking. So right. mm-hmm.
1: so this is an interesting segue because Amber Bridge, who's on our team <laughs> and is also a featured speaker for iTech um, this week, she said to me, you need to ask about google drawings because i hate google drawings i hate google drawings and i need a total eclipse of the heart apparently um because she said because i love slides i love slides and but i don't understand why um to share about google drawings when i can do google slides i'm
3: gonna put you under pressure here Yeah. yeah well here's a little story that i have to tell um, that was my lyric. Nobody got it. Thanks. Um, some Beastie Boys. Uh, that was '80s. So, anyways, here's a little story I got to tell about a Google Drawing. You know so well. Um, so Google Drawing is awesome. Uh, I love it because it's it's again it's part of kind of the, it's a what you can create with it. It's right. it really it really depends on what you create with okay. it. And um, I've learned that it's a it's an awesome like graphic art tool. Okay. that you can create. Um beautiful graphics with it and essentially and where this started was um my classroom had or the, cl- the room that i was in used to have a poster printer and uh, we can print huge posters 36 inches right. by the length of the room and so i would have kids come in and bring me their posters and they were terrible i mean they were the high school kids they were terrible they sure. look like the posters when we were in high school like at some point these have to change like they can't look the same yeah right and so i was looking for something that kids could use and kids could create Original art with yes, I know there's Canva. I love Canva. It's great. It's fantastic. But I like also teaching kids how to build things from scratch yeah, for okay. themselves and yep. for the audience. Mm-hmm. And so um, you
1: still haven't told me why I should do it over slides.
3: Well, I'm getting. Come on. Come on.
1: So you're trying to come up with your argument. No, in I, your I, head. this
3: is my this is my argument. <laughs> uh, trust me. So, so in the end, uh, well, it also depends. Well, I can also defend slides because the slides okay. always the, the appropriate tool. Okay. Um, so we, we have this graphic. Kids kids can create graphics. Um, we talk about sketching, drawing, everything yes, out. And right. so what I found was that you can take those drawings and put them into Google Drawing, okay. and then use Google Drawing on top of that oh, nice. to create the sure. recreate the drawing. Um, I could just show you examples, but for visual, this isn't yeah, gonna work. Yeah, no, I um, to tell. You know, it's uh, so, hard, huh? No, 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 it's, it's fantastic. <laughs> so what you can do in the end is you can create vector art, and vector okay. art is art that can be scaled to any size. And right. so once kids have kind of learned that process and have created original art from their from scratch, not mm-hmm. using a template like uh-huh. in slides. Slides um, isn't
1: a template. Slides is a uh, blank.
3: It's a it, 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 blank who, slide. How many kids do you know use blank templates? I, well, none. None. Okay. They all. They all go for the. They all go to the slides. There are it's, no templates and drawings. That's true, though. That is I mean, true. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you end up with a graphic. You end up with right. the graphic. That's all that's right. wonderful. And so from there, there's multiple uses. So say okay. you're you're putting together a campaign for. Um, you know, an election campaign for high school or whatever. So kids can create original graphics. They've now created it on this canvas, but it's a vector art. So they can Mm -hmm. actually scale it to be as big as they want and then print it. So that's not all pixelated and stretched out and ugly. Um, Kids can take original artwork and then create vector art with their draw from their actual drawing to this vector art. And I can show you example. And now they have that, that they can make stickers. They can print t-shirts. They can um, Mm -hmm. print campaign posters and I mean campaign like banners. Um, We've had kids where they've created filters, faux filters, because some school districts block um, social media. Some oh. social media, so you can create faux filters. Okay, uh, I'll and, play that game. And stickers. So I'll play that game. We, I
1: like that. That's we fine. so
3: for you know, back to school events, you can have yeah. something set up and kids can put uh, create those. Um, but slides okay. and drawing are two different things. Or you know, did you know the drawing tools are all in slides? So you can still use drawing slides if you want to.
1: I know, that's what I'm saying. Oh, I use just, only drawing in slides. It's the same I thing. use that it's, all the time. It, it, I know. That's where see, I see Oh told well, you I just do it I just yeah. do it separately
3: because if I go design a graphic uh, or a logo or a, um an icon. I'm not gonna go into yeah. slides and do I it. do it in slides. Oh I just do it in drawing.
1: Oh. Well you
3: know well see you know okay, Well then we're on the same page. We're That's on the same thing. Right. We, we see the value in the tools. How's that? Yes. The drawing okay. tools. Okay. The drawing tools. All
0: right, um. all right. All right. <laughs> so let's uh... <laughs>
3: well, this is good. This is
0: yeah. good. I need to It's it. It. a healthy conversation. Yeah. yeah. Let's beat it. Let's let's beat it. Let's do that. Um and move on to like, your last session on Tuesday which i think is okay. a very clever title yeah. here it's oh, a, a yeah. process a hack and a tool walk into a classroom
3: explain <laughs>
0: uh, it, it's, it's a great
3: title i love when people come and they're like i'm like you just came you have no idea like that's yeah, exactly. what <laughs> 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 that has been done before in one of my sessions um so it's kind of everything I've talked about lumped into a session. Like it's almost mm-hmm. like if you miss any of my sessions, I'm going to get you in this last one. Yeah. Wow. Right. It is, about, it is about the process. And it's three ways that I've, I've, I do this with kids and how I do this with teachers. Um, and the hack is what is the first? The process. Process design mm-hmm. process. Like are we designing things for kids? Because we ask kids to design all the time. From like posters, videos, sure. everything—it's—it's it's design. But we don't teach them the process of that. We just say, "Here's your device." I mean, number number of time, numerous times, kids come to me with their Chromebooks like this, and they're like, Mister her I got to make a video. Yeah. Like, well, this 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 should not be your step one. Like mm-hmm. grabbing this device and giving it to me, or I have to make a presentation. Yeah, the first thing they do is open up slides, and yeah. so
0: so are you are you talking like design thinking or nothing that formal necessarily no, no, not, or? not
3: necessarily that formal? Not so so. Yeah, and No, I'll go with just nothing so formal. Um, it's understanding simple things in design um, and not just aesthetics. I'm not just thinking aesthetics. It's mm-hmm. more of like I'm going to make a presentation for this class. Well, is the presentation the right tool for your audience? Mm-hmm. Right. Who mm-hmm. are you going to present this to? Who are yeah. you showing to this to? So I have a teacher. Yeah. Uh, I have teachers in the past that, hey, we're going we're to create a website. Can you help my kids create a website? Why, Why? are we we a website? website? So yeah. by going through all the thinking and, and, and drafting out everything we're going to do and the ideas we have, that should determine the tool. So I help sure. kids with that. Sometimes it is going to always have to be a presentation because that's mm-hmm. what, you know, the teacher wants. But teaching a process. So, you know, finding inspiration, go, looking at great examples of good work, quality work, not just last year's kids' work, but like mm-hmm. professionals. Right. Um, and so getting inspiration, um, understand drafting, all that the process. And then the hack is the visual thinking part of the um how do I think visually? What can I do? What can I put in my room to help me do that? And something as simple as, you know, tables being able to be written on and accepting that tables can be written on because they can all be written on. Yeah. Um, in my <laughs> yes. the Tables that are That's
1: meant true. to be written on. No, yes. they're <laughs> just
3: you tables. Know. We'll buy yeah. new ones soon. <laughs> um, Details. <laughs> the, in, in my classroom, we purchased um these huge shower board panels. Yeah. And, right. And held them up with industrial strength. Well because you were
1: like hanging out with Bob Dylan all the time. I was. Right? Bob Dylan, yeah.
3: <laughs> and and you know the kind of the, the brain behind that was was Rebecca hair I mean yeah, she's, she's amazing, amazing. Absolutely amazing. And yeah. that was going through the design process with her to design that room yeah. is kind of like my inspiration kind of what I moving forward. Like yeah. how I how I approach kids and how I approach um what they're doing. And so that's the hack and then yeah. the the tool is um, we ask kids to prototype a lot in some of our classes, yeah. science classes, you know, anatomy classes, um, and some of our um, other classes. And, but we don't teach kids building methods, simple mm-hmm. building methods, where they can do that. Um, I get kids that so we have some of those tools in my room, and you know, I have kids that still think that. You know, foam board and hot glue go well together. They just like glob hot glue, and then mm-hmm. they take foam board. Well, it's hot glue. It's foam I, mean, I don't know if they know, but foam melts. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So we teach them, you know, simple building techniques with just cardboard and a glue stick, yeah. and they can build a ton. Uh, sounds so simple, sounds silly, um, but you know that when we, we present on that, teachers love it. They're like, oh my gosh, why aren't we teaching the kids this? So we'll have yeah. like cardboarding um, workshops with kids, so yeah. we teach them how to how to build. That's cool. Um, so, um, yeah, I don't know why I'm at a technology conference. I don't think I've talked about technology. It's innovation, though. That's okay. what's important. Yeah. Okay. It's yeah. innovation. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's my last session, kind of in a nutshell. But uh, i just super passionate about watching kids do it. And then what's is great is everything you teach them, it's transferable to the next thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've had an had, uh, elementary teacher where we did kind of some brainstorming, taught them how to brainstorm, use sticky notes, note cards. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, it was a hot mess. Like we, you know, kids were confused and didn't really know what was going on. And I apologized to the teacher after the whole project was done. It's like, hey, you know, I know that was crazy at the beginning. She's like, no. She's like, the next time when we did a project and you weren't here, they were using sticky notes and note cards and brainstorming and talking and showing and pointing Mm -hmm. and using that as a voting to see which project would move forward. I was like, yes, okay, they get it. And they're using it in other places aside from just like you know, the project we had at hand. So mm-hmm. I, that's for Cause me. Cause even
1: there's a process in that
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: process and learning of how to have a process. Sure. I mean, yeah, yeah. Abso- 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 yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Right. Right.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, and I
0: think it's the kind of thing that, you know, we've talked about this in the past that um, because we're, we're so focused on content and getting through stuff in order for standardized Standards. tests and things that yeah. we, that the creative process sometimes gets pushed to the side. Right. And then when we do have time for being creative, being creative quotation marks that you know we we don't know how to be creative Mm we just like just do something creative and it's like like that that process you're talking about it's like yeah we need to have those kind of constructs and things in, Mm -hmm. in place so people can be creative
3: right it's all the ugly that happens like all the you know the with digital tools sometimes um Kids even drafting papers, they delete, you know, they delete what they've done or they delete or erase what they, they don't get to see those old, I mean, you know, kind of of as as the iterative process, Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. whereas they can with a drawing or a sketch or a physical product. You can see your, how you've kind of progressed and maybe you have to go back to the original and, and look at that. Um, And and one thing I did because I wasn't really sure, like, is this just something manual likes to do? Mm -hmm. Um, I went to a design conference um, in Memphis, it was called Creative Works and it had a variety of designers i mean from you know physical products to um well most of the physical products i guess but illustrators artists leather workers metal workers uh i really had no business being there just because i was, I was the <laughs> you only kept
1: your head down i was the like,
3: I, I stuck out like a sore thumb i was not cool <laughs> enough to be there by far um but you know i went and listened to them and what they had to say about you know their craft and a lot of it was the process like yeah. they talked about like all the ugly all you know the artboards that get left behind all the you know duct tape and foam board that a leather worker uses before he ever you know grabs mm-hmm. on a piece of leather um you know that's simple tools like they're that they're using to get their ideas out to communicate to clients and then from there they eventually reach for their digital tool which which is you know the the final product but it's everything behind it's like okay so we are kind of on the right track and that is a creative that's one creative industry um it doesn't speak for all of them, but you know I feel like at least with that I'm on the right track, kind yeah, of sure. going that moving that direction.
0: And by focusing on that that creative process and not the tool, then you know we we know tools come and go in education, yeah. and we're yeah. always talking about well, this was a great tool and then it's gone, and another one bites the dust, and yeah. you know and and that's it. So you have to if you have that process in place, then right. you don't so
1: have. So what to you're be doing with tool it, the tool you'll figure out.
0: Yeah,
3: yeah, exactly. Kind of it, will, right. it will, it um, will. Yeah, but it, it, it's it's hard to find time. Like yeah. elementary teachers are a little more. Uh, middle school teachers are a little more flexible with time. High school gets a little tougher because yeah. of, yeah. of testing and mm-hmm. um, AP classes and, and whatnot. So. For sure.
1: Well, thank you so much for coming in.
3: Yeah. Thank you guys for
1: having it was, me. This, yeah. Was, yeah. this was fun.
0: It yeah. was a fun conversation. I'm looking <laughs> yeah. forward to seeing some of your sessions. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Yep. All
1: right. So um, a little bit about us, I guess. So you're busy today.
0: What do you got going on? I have a couple of presentations today. Um, So, we had the podcast this morning, and I'm also doing next generation green screen classrooms. Yeah. I feel like um, there's the whole idea that I think we've had green screen around long enough now that people know how to do green screen. So, I'm not teaching people how to do green screen. They've got the weather forecast down. They've got that weather forecast down. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Although. Yeah, maybe I won't say, but yeah, I am actually starting with a weather forecast. Oh, but just to show how a, a really yes. good example of one and unpack it and see why it's a good example. But, oh, that's good. But that's thinking, a good idea. thinking about you know, what else can you do apart from a weather forecast is where yeah. we're going, basically, and thinking about creative and inc- exciting ways to use green screen. So I'm going to bring in some of the stuff we did at ISTE, yeah. as well as some awesome things I've seen other teachers do on the internet. Yeah. So uh, that will oh, be the
1: wild, wild west of the internet.
0: The wild, wild <laughs> west of the internet, yes. Yeah. But there's some great examples out there.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Also, going to talk Canva and Adobe Spark Post in yeah. my easy graphic design for teachers. Yeah. And so we had Manuel talk about uh, Google Drawings and graphics and things like that and yep. how it's important to start from scratch. Mm-hmm. I'll be telling people how it's to important use to use templates. Use templates. <laughs> Just to get started. It's kind of like an absolute beginner session. I think if you're an absolute beginner, starting from scratch can be a little intimidating.
1: Overwhelming, sure.
0: But if you've done the template stuff before, and yeah, I mean, in Canva, you can strip out as much of the template you don't want to use and throw it away and bring in your own stuff. So there's the opportunity to be as creative as you want. Yeah, I agree. So we're going to do flyers and posters and uh, banners and social media graphics and whatever else we can get people to try on that day.
1: Good. Hands-on session.
0: More about you, Mindy. Speaking of hands-on, you were you were here yesterday. I
1: was here yesterday. Been On here Sunday. since Saturday night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So Amber and I did our Makey Makey workshop yesterday, which is, um, I think, my favorite thing that I do all year. Uh, and it introduces how the Makey Makey works and, um, what it actually is. And then we kind of work into some different ways to use Makey Makey with the culminating project at the end of the day where, uh, the, Participants get to make their invention come to life, which is always fun with some coding with scratch and mm-hmm. there's always so much excitement and um just like watching light bulbs go off. I don't get a lot of light bulbs in this line of work, right? I right. you know, I miss I know. the light bulb uh-huh. sometimes with mm-hmm. kids. So I think that's why I love that day so much, just because I I get to see light bulbs again. And are you talking
0: uh, like physical light bulbs that are lighting up here? With well, Mickey, I mean, Mickey, there is or, some of that. We do yeah. do some
1: LED lights, okay, yeah. Right. But, um, but yeah, we'll, no, some <laughs> some actual like imaginary lights above heads.
0: Yeah. Some, yes. Some inspiration. Okay. And some, yes, yes. Yeah. Okay.
1: Um, and then today, Gina and I are doing Camping to Glamping. You know, we love a theme. Mm. Camping to Glamping, Amping Up Your Four C's Instructions with Digital Tools for Littles. I think this might
0: be the longest title, longest title in all of, of
1: Um, Well, I had to put amp in there three times. Glamp, camp, amp.
0: Okay, I see that you, now. Oh, not I didn't, geez, I didn't, didn't see it before. before. Okay, no. that's
1: fine. Um, you to, like bold
0: that part or something? I should have. Yeah.
1: Um, so we're going to talk a little bit, share some of um, Christine Pinto. Um, I've mentioned her in the podcast before. She's at Pinto Beans on Twitter, has some great Google Suite stuff that she does with kindergartners and Chromebooks. Yeah. Um, I created some of my own stuff. Gina created some of her stuff.
0: Well, that's good. That you're um, showing some original stuff too. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Shush, you with your green screen. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, and then some other just great apps that we think um, help students kind of share their ideas. Things like that. And then tomorrow, Amber and I are doing Calibrating Your Classroom with 4Cs. Do you want to know how many slides are in that slide deck?
0: I don't know if I do now. I think it's 96. Ooh. Is this death by PowerPoint? What's it going is, on? Yep.
1: That's <laughs> our plan. We're just yeah. going to put everybody to sleep. Um. No, we allow the teachers to or our participants to choose which tool they want to hear about. Which means we have to have a ton of tools. You prepped. have
0: to have lots of preparation. Yeah, for that. and then
1: we show the different levels of um usage of how you can use those in different ways. So it's so like a it's choose your a own adventure session. Kind of a choose your own adventure, mm-hmm. but it's also choose your own adventure for us. Like we don't know what's ever going to happen and. What they're going to ask for, so...
0: But you're such consummate professionals that you're prepared for every eventuality. I don't know.
1: I mean, we're going to pretend. Yeah. We're going to pretend our way through it. Okay. Yeah. No, it's kind of a fun one. Um, and then, well, tomorrow afternoon, we've got Family Feud.
0: Yeah. Speaking of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping that will be a fun session. It's we'll going to be a
1: fun session. We're mm-hmm. going to pit our teammates against one another. Yes, yeah, some, some people from the crowd.
0: Some of you might have seen the uh, survey we sent around Twitter, yeah. where you know we got
1: 169 we, people share their data. Yeah, yeah I right. think I
0: closed it off at that because. Oh yeah, that's right. We didn't <laughs> I want like, I can't keep yeah.
1: calculating. I have to be done now.
0: So we're going to try and uh, quiz some people on what they think their favorite EdTech tools are yep. and why those are their favorite tools as well as some other you know, instructional mm. kind of ideas and things. So,
1: And Amber made buzzers with the Makey Makey
0: yes mm-hmm. good yeah i'm looking forward to it yeah it should be fun i mean i'm not you, you're going to be hosting
1: yeah amber and i are hosting yeah we're sharing hosting and i'm going to be in charge
0: of the uh the old the old board up on the screen there yeah. making sure everybody's answers come up in the right place yeah and, and i get to, and my most important part <laughs> that i'm really excited about is, is hitting the buzzer for the <clears> throat> throat> yes yeah so good, all the music already It should here. be fun it should be fun
1: all right well um do you want to do the outro here let's do it okay so I am at Team Carney on Twitter and Jonathan is at Jonathan Wiley. Our team account is at DLG and you can use our hashtag EdTechTakeout. takeout, not edtech uh-huh.
0: Because
1: I have been using that you recently. Had, well, we, That
0: used to be our hashtag <laughs> and I, I did notice that I I never Twitter switched once, over
1: to EdTechTakeout. So
0: the hashtag is one more time. EdTech Okay, good to the
1: show. Um, to take the show. If you prefer, you can send us an email to podcast at gwa.org.
0: So until episode 51.
1: This has been the EdTech Takeout. We hope it hit the spot.
0: For more information on today's episode, please visit dlgwaea.org slash podcast.